morning as we reflect on what we have to offer you, we recognize that it's very, very little. But what we do have, we give to you and ask God that you would use for your glory. Lord, this morning we desire to hear from you. Give us a name. Amen. Well, throughout history, we have seen a variety of inventions that have revolutionized how we communicate with each other. Whether it's petroglyphs or pictograms, smoke signals, telegraphs, phonographs, telephones, fax and braille and sign language, or the more digitized form of communication like email or text messaging, our communication has evolved and adapted and changed throughout history. All of these modes of communication have sought to assist you and I in expressing ourselves in one form or another. For some of us, it was to advance a message that we deemed important to us, things like what God we worship, or the history of our ancestors, or for some of us, just, just our favorite casserole recipe. Nowadays, it seems like our primary mode of communication is just to blast someone who has a different opinion on us as us on social media. Ideally, though, communication is intended to facilitate a deepening of relationship with one person or another. From infancy to adulthood, we all we are all learning how to communicate with each other. Now, if you've ever tried to dialogue with a baby, though, you've realized very quickly they're not very good conversationalists. They don't care about politics. They don't care about religion or sports. They don't even care about the pandemic, and everyone is talking about the pandemic. Yet our communication seems to be as basic as sounds like mama or dada. And we try our best to simplify language to the point of just making incoherent sounds and claim that that's words that babies somehow understand. I remember when my kids were babies and I often drew enormous conclusions about their linguistic abilities. They'd make a sound and I was certain that that was their first word. Whatever that is though, the importance of those sounds, whether a baby's making it or we're making it to a baby, those sounds are foundational to the language skills that a newborn will have as it grows older, as it learns to speak. Even if those sounds don't make words, they are vital to the development of a child's verbal skills. We know that communication is important in our lives. We also know that the Bible feels the same way because the Bible talks a lot about communication. How we communicate with each other is important. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9. Evil words destroy one's friends. Wise discernment rescues the godly. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but hard words stir up anger. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. James chapter 1, verse 19, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And there's lots of different passages in Scripture. Communication is clearly important to God. Because how we communicate helps to facilitate intimacy and relational health with those around us, including with God. 
So Paul, as, we're, as we are continuing this, this study in his letter from Ephesians, he, he concludes his letter with these words to help us to understand how, do we, how can we relate to God specifically in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20. And he writes, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and, of, and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now last week we talked about Pentecost. We talked about how the Holy Spirit is a fulfillment of a promise God made to his people 600 years before Pentecost happened. We talked about how the Holy Spirit is poured onto humanity and it brings unity, unity and affirms our dependence on God and, and invites us to know God and to be known by God. Today, though, we're going to finish the last half of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, when Paul writes, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Paul is, is telling us that not only is prayer and communication important, but that we should do it all the time. Paul is giving direction on the implication of God's unlimited accessibility poured out onto us through the Holy Spirit. Pray at all times. I remember about 25 years ago, I was at the Calgary Stampede, and I went with some friends, and we were there. We, went to the, we wanted to go see a concert at the, at the Coke stage. And uh, the band that we were going to see was the Matthew Good Band. And most people have no idea who that band is, unless you're my age. At the time, he would have been considered probably a, a B-tier Canadian musician. He was popular in Canada, and that was pretty much the extent of his popularity. But I remember, I remember before the concert, we were kind of wandering some of the exhibition halls and, and, just, and just checking things out. And all of a sudden, to my left, a little bit farther down the pathway, I, I heard this big ruckus, this, this noise, this loud, this cheering and yelling and excitement. And being the teenage kids that we were, we rushed over to see what all the commotion was about. And we were shocked to see this, this large entourage of people where there was these giant muscle-bound men these monsters, these guys who, who are walking at a, almost like a jogging pace down the pathway. And in the middle, in the middle, there he was, Matthew Good. And they kept this steady pace, and, and it seemed like people were diving out of the way just trying not to get trampled by this entourage. If I had tried to reach out and shake his hand or try to start a conversation with Matthew Good at that point, I'm certain it would, it would not have ended well for me. There was nothing about Matthew Good or this group that was accessible. If anything, they made it clear that even though he was very much a pseudo-celebrity at that point, that he wanted nothing to do with me or any, anyone else there. Now, what a contrast between what we see, between what, we, what I saw with Matthew Good and, and what we see in God in Genesis chapter 2 where God actually initiates a conversation with Adam and Eve. Where we see that God immediately makes himself accessible to humanity so that we could know him personally. If anyone was justified in their inaccessibility, it would have been God. 
yet we actually see God's invitation and initiation of conversation with us over and over and over again, in spite of our disinterest towards God at times. God is the one who becomes accessible to us. Prayer is, is, an intent, is intended to be our response to the accessibility that God makes in our lives. Now here in Ephesians, Paul is basically, basically concluding this letter with this seemingly daunting task of praying without stopping. Almost as a way to com- communicate to the, to the Ephesians that these practices that he... Almost as a way to communicate to them that these practices that he has just laid out in this letter, those, these practices that we have been trying to understand for, since September 2019, love one another. Uh, Submit to one another. Be reconciled to one another. Forgive one another. Be united with each other. These things that that seem really difficult to, to attain, yet Paul says that the only way that those things will be sustainable is while we are prayerfully present with the Lord. The problem with this idea of praying, the idea of praying always, is that most of us don't know how to do it. At least I don't know how to do it. It seems like this really idealistic concept. But realistically, most of us would say, well, that's pretty unreasonable expectation. How can my life be permeated with prayer the way that Paul seems to be calling us into? How do I pray on all occasions? How do I pray while I'm sleeping? Or when I'm fighting traffic on the Deerfoot? How do I pray while I'm reading my kids' stories at bed? Or when I'm cooking supper? Or doing laundry or changing the oil in my car? What does praying at all times look like? Because it seems like the only way that most of us could pray without ceasing is if we isolate ourselves like the monks do and just close the world around us and just devote all of our time and energy to to prayer. But beyond that, this verse seems more problematic than prescriptive. So the problem with this type of prayer is, is how? How do I pray at all times? Well, I think Paul actually gives us a little foreshadowing when he writes a little bit earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. And he writes, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now verse 6 is the the area that I want to focus on in this passage. There's one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now what Paul is saying here in that verse is that the Spirit of God transcends any location. That God is active and present and transforming anywhere and everywhere. That God's spirit isn't inhibited by buildings or people or situations or circumstances. That God can work in any of those scenarios. That God is this dynamic presence that is at work everywhere around us, including inside of us. Now why is this important? Because if God is present everywhere, which Paul seems to be suggesting here in chapter 4. If God is at work everywhere, which is also what Paul seems to be suggesting here in this passage then that means that wherever you and I go, God is already there 
and present with us. That God's presence can be experienced in the monotony of life as we go to school, as we're in our workplaces, family reunions, restaurants, or driving on the deer club. But it's in those places that would seem to be normal activities that we can then conclude then that God is present in all of those places. That there aren't any places on earth where God's presence is void or absent. The implication here is that there's no compartments anywhere where God's Spirit chooses not to enter. That also means that there's no places in our lives that God chooses not to enter. Which means then that the attributes of God that define who God is can be experienced anywhere. What if the Spirit of God whose love and glory is over all and through all and in all actually transcends all the boundaries that sometimes you and I determine God couldn't possibly be at? What if He actually is in some of those places? Paul says, what if God is dwelling in those places, waiting for his glory to be revealed? The Spirit of God is at work and and closer than you and I may actually realize at times. We're just like in Genesis chapter 2, God is waiting to initiate a conversation with us. And it's in this awareness and attentiveness to God's presence in all things that helps build the foundation for us as we consider what it means to pray at all times. Where we pray to build a union between where God already is, everywhere, and what He's already doing with where you and I are in a very specific moment in space and time. Let me say that again. We pray to build a union between where God already is and what He's already doing with where we are in that moment in space and time so that we can commune with God's presence exactly where we are at whether we're cutting onions in the kitchen or hiking in the mountains or singing worship songs on a Sunday morning in our church building, God is present. It's just at times we're often more aware of His presence and and God's Spirit in certain places over others. But when we are attentive to God's presence in each moment, we begin to realize that our primary responsibility isn't actually to fulfill the demands of the now, But instead, it's actually to be attentive to the presence of God in our lives while we are in the midst of doing whatever we are doing. So that whatever we find, whatever and wherever we find ourselves, we can shift our perspective from the tasks of this world, the tasks that are in front of us, to actually beginning to unite ourselves with the glory of God as we acknowledge His presence in that moment. And as we do that, we actually begin to shift, our hearts begin to shift. And, my, and our minds begin to shift from the secular to the sacred. Where we realize God's presence is with us. That we realize that the things that we normally do for others and for ourselves, that we're actually doing for God and with God. When we realize God's presence is with us, we discover that the things that we normally do for others and for ourselves, that we're actually doing them for God and with God. So we become less focused on the greatness or the smallness of whatever task might be in front of us. But instead, we begin to posture ourselves 
in, in the, at the feet of Jesus, recognizing his spirit around us as we perform even the most menial tasks, where we diligently participate in the love and glory of God in whatever we're doing so that we can actually accomplish what Paul is writing when he writes in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Because God's presence and glory is equally proportioned in whatever we do, inviting us to experience Him. And as we pray at all times, it, actually, it allows us to begin to shift our perspective from ourselves, from what we're doing, onto the Spirit of God who is at work around us in, in all things. So how do we do that? How do we become so aware of God's character, so aware of God's love, so aware of God's glory in the, in the, in the mundane of our lives, in the, in the basic simplicity of everything that's going on around us? First is this. Read your Bible. As we read the Bible, as we read God's Word, it begins to reveal, it begins to brighten our vision to a world that God is actually at work around us. That God is actually transforming the world around us more profoundly than we could have ever, ever realized. Where we read God's Word and see that there are descriptions of God's nature weaved throughout the Bible that reveal to us who He is where we begin to see that God is loving, that we begin to see that God is peace, that we see that He is joy, and that He is kind, and that He is patient, that He is good and gentle and faithful and is control. It's in our awareness of who God is that it actually assists in our ability to relate to Him and interact with Him appropriately, where our prayers actually become a response to His character, a response to who He is, so that when we pray, we can know that God really does care when life is difficult because we've seen evidence of it happen throughout Scripture. That it helps us to know that God can heal us when we, when we are sick because we've seen it happen time and time again throughout Scripture. It helps us to know that God will give wisdom because we see it happen repeatedly throughout the Bible. The Bible then becomes this incredible resource for us. That helps us to know what is the best way to relate and respond to God as we live our lives. Do you want to know someone? Spend time with them. Do you want to know God? Spend time with Him. One of the best ways we do that is by reading His Word. The same is true for people too, isn't it? The more you spend time with me, the more you get to know my humor. You get to know the things that I'm passionate about. You get, you get to know what foods I like or dislike. You get to know my preferences. But ultimately, the more time you spend with me, you, get, you, get to, you begin to discover my heart and what things are important to me. And the same is true for God. The more we spend time reading the Bible, the deeper our relational closeness is with God because we begin to experience and see God's heart throughout the, His Word. So we read his word. Another way that we can become attentive to God's love and glory in our lives is through consistent conversations with God. See, one of the problems with prayer in general 
is that I don't always want to pray for God's will to be done if I'm being honest with myself, being honest with you. Sometimes I want my will to be done. Sometimes I don't want things to work out for the glory of God, but instead I'd rather them work out for the glory of Brian. Praying at all times the way Paul does, the way Paul tells us to, reestablishes the correct and appropriate posture of whose glory needs to be the most prominent. Prayer and consistent prayer is an, ab- is an abandonment of myself. It's an abandonment of my desires and my, my will. Where we can submit to the reality that God can do with us whatever He wants in us and through us. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, the meek shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now what if the inheritance that Jesus is speaking about here in the Beatitudes doesn't actually happen after we die? Instead, what if it's actually a realization of the glory of God on earth today? Where we pray at all times. And as we do that, we become aware of the sacredness of God's presence everywhere. Where we, where we actually are choosing meekness, and, we, as, and as a result, we are choosing to receive the inheritance of God's glory on earth today. Because we prioritize God's glory over our own. One of the most natural ways to do that is through conversational prayers. Where we talk to God as if He was right beside us, listening with us. I remember a few years ago, I... I was praying at church, and this was in Lethbridge, and and uh, and uh, and I was, and someone came up to me after the service and said, Pastor Ryan, um, you know, they they didn't, I don't think they understood that the sound system is controls the volumes of a of a sanctuary, but they said, Pastor Ryan, could you could you pray louder next time? And because I couldn't hear you, and and I was kind of having a sassy moment, and I said, Well, I wasn't talking to you, and uh, and you know, there's one of those moments where I I think that. You know, I probably should have chose different words, but but I, but there's a reality here that a prayer is is conversational, and we're talking to God as if He's right beside us, listening with us. This idea of conversational prayer is this dialoguing with Him as if as if we were talking with our best friend. See, some of the most beautiful conversations that we can have with God is is even as we're going through a park, as we're walking somewhere, or just expressing and dialoguing our thoughts and our feelings and our attitudes and our fears and our anxieties as if we were talking about those things with, with our most trusted friend. There's also been times where I've had arguments with God. Where I've talked about how angry I am with Him or how disappointed I felt with Him, how hurt I was by a decision that I felt like He had been a part of. Telling God how painful I thought His decision was and that I disagreed with Him. But these conversational prayers become no longer unidirectional prayers where we just talk at God. We just dump all of our stuff to God and say, okay, you deal with it. But instead, conversational prayer is actually beginning to pray in such a way that we dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Beginning to discern and attend to God's Spirit as He speaks into our lives, particularly through His Word. One of the reasons, one of the ways that happens, one of the things that happens is because we've gotten to know God, know who God is through these consistent conversations. We've gotten to know God by reading His Word. So we read the Bible. We have consistent conversations. And lastly, pray simply. 
think one of the reasons why this idea of praying at all times seems problematic for many of us is because sometimes as we pray, we think that we need to have these long and loud, elaborate prayers that, that are just drawn out and have reverently worded prayers that, that like right out of the King James. There's lots of thys and thous. And what if the simplicity of short, repeatable prayers actually allowed us to become more aware of God's presence in us and around us? Because sometimes what happens is we become, as we, as we, as we use sim, simple prayers, we become less concerned with the words that are coming out of our mouths, and we become more focused on communing with God, on God with us. We become more focused on listening than we do speaking. About 20 years ago, I was working at Union Gospel Mission in inner city Vancouver on East Hastings Street. And one of the guys that I worked with, his name was Jack. And Jack was, uh, he was about 70 years old when I met him. If, if there was a personification of Jesus, it was Jack. He was, he was kind and gentle and loving. He's probably one of the most kind, loving, gentle men that I've ever met. He served people faithfully, and he worked hard, and he was strong. He was this masculine man's man, and, and, he, but there was, and there was evidence of his love for Jesus all over his life, the way he just, just poured love onto people. But one of the characteristics that I remember most about Jack was his simple prayer life. And we would drive around in a, in a truck together every day almost, and he would just simply say, yes. Yes. And he would just repeat the word yes, and he'd nod his head, yes, yes. We'd be driving around in rush hour traffic in, in Vancouver, and I would be getting stressed and anxious, and there would be Jack driving, yes, yes, just smiling and nodding and saying yes. Didn't matter what was happening, you could just hear this small but subtle yes repeated over his breath. And it didn't strike me until later on that this simple phrase of yes was Jack's simple, small, repeatable prayer. Whereas he prayed yes, it impacted his life. That yes was actually a prayer of choosing meekness. That yes was a way for him to have a regular conversation with God. That, it was, that saying yes was recognizing that in every moment there was a sacredness and he was affirming that, that God was present in it. By saying yes, I began to realize that he was saying yes to the Holy Spirit in his life. That when he was feeling anxious or annoyed, he could have said no, Holy Spirit, but instead he was saying yes, Holy Spirit, I want more of you so that I know how to resolve and deal with this situation. Yes to the Holy Spirit. When there's an administrative error from his boss, and he could have easily been frustrated and annoyed at the inconvenience, instead he said yes. Sometimes we think that praying at all times is these long, elaborate prayers that are just this perpetual, this nonstop prayer. But what if we repeated some of the simple prayers from Scripture as a way to help us pray at all times? Things like help, or be strong and courageous, for I'm with you. Or just simplify it and say, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. The Lord is my shepherd. 
Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I would suggest using short, repeatable prayers that is rooted in Scripture. Now, admittedly, it may seem somewhat mechanical at first. But as we default back to the sacredness of the now, as we begin to recognize that God is in all, through all, and over all, that God is relationally present with us, I invite the worship team to come on up. The problem with prayer is that there is darkness and sin and pain and difficulties in each of our lives and within this world. We can't escape that. It's often that reality that pulls us away from praying at all times, isn't it? There's busyness that distracts us. There's busyness that occupies our minds and occupies our hearts and occupies our lives. But the solution to that problem is to affirm the actual and continual presence of God in the midst of all of us. That wherever we are, God's presence is over all, through all, and in all. That God and His glory is accessible to everyone. Where His love is waiting to be felt and experienced. And that His Holy Spirit is inviting you and I to commune with Him wherever we are. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, as we consider what it means to commune with You, as we consider what it means to follow You, as we consider what it means to experience You, we thank You that You invite us, that You make Yourself accessible to us, to consider what it means to to relate with you, that you are not distant, but that you are present right now. And Lord, I suspect that there's things going on in each of our lives that, that we need you to be part of. So Lord, I pray that you would begin to speak. This would be the beginning of our consistent conversations with you. This would be the beginning of our awareness that, that you long to speak into our lives as well. And so, Lord, this morning we say, speak. That you would help us to be able to hear your voice. That this time that we share together would be a space now that we could designate and say, we just want to hear from you. Lord, this morning I pray that that you'd help us to set aside the distractions, the things that pull us in different ways, and just listen. To be still and know that you are God. 